macaroni and cheese. And Santa put gifts under Christmas trees. Decorate the house with lights at night. Bong bong. What's going on, party people? We are back in the building. This is After Further Review. 2.0, a.k.a. the Sideline Pass, man. Live and direct. Coming to you live and direct. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Um, we in the building, man. Action VR Network holding me down. My man Bob James is in the house holding me down tonight. Wacko Bob is on vacation. And um, we're going to make it do what it do, man. A lot of stuff going on in the world of sports, man. Um, and we're here to discuss it and chop it up, man. We're not on that milk toast. We're not on that cookie cutter stuff, man. So um, have your thing together. Bring your A game to the table, man, because there's a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff going on. College football playoff rankings are out. Carmelo Anthony makes his debut with the Portland Trailblazers. Yes, Carmelo Anthony is back in the NBA. All right. We're going to talk some, some more about the, um, the fallout from the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph situation. I got some things I want to um, talk about in regards to Stephen A. Smith. Um, I got my hockey people. I got y'all covered. All right. Um, we're going to talk a little free agency and baseball. Um, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, man. It's going down and it's going on. So we are here, and uh, hopefully you can rock out with us, man. 954-246-0398 is the mathematics. We are in the building, live and direct. We're about to bring it to your hard body karate. Um, Carmelo Anthony, man, he's back in the NBA. That's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. He's back in the NBA. Um, after all, you know, everybody was, you know, clamoring for him to come back and uh, make his final go round and have a farewell tour, which to me is a bunch of nonsense. Carmelo Anthony deserves a farewell tour for what? What did he do? You know what I mean? Um, but he deserves to um, have his chance to, you know, continue his career just like the next person. But um, I don't think any farewell tours in the making. That's, I think that's what's going on and what's wrong with, you know, these young cats, man, in today's, you know, world. They want to give, you know, everybody deserves the Hall of Fame. Everybody deserves a farewell tour. Knock it off, man. Real talk. For real. Um, you know, and I'm not going to get on the, the, the point about Carmelo Anthony, you know, not being able to adjust to today's, you know, today's game, the way it's being played. I'm not going to get into none of that. I feel like Carmelo is proving his worth. He's a, he's a true, you know, scorer as far as the NBA is concerned. But again, you know, when you expect things out of people and they don't show up and they don't perform, it's kind of like that, you know, it's kind of let that go. You know, and people still think Carmelo could give you 30, 30, 30 a night, and that's not going to happen. You know, um, Carmelo Anthony hasn't played in an NBA game since November 8th of 2018. Okay, he's going to be rusty. Okay, so already expect the, you know, uh, the funny memes, and you know how these silly cats go. You know what I mean? Um, you know, they're going to be funny about it. They're going to have a lot of junk, you know, to talk. And even though none of them probably dribbled the basketball in their life, you know, they're going to have a lot of, you know, things to say. Um, Carmelo Anthony, he's going to need rest. He is starting tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans, okay? Um, and he's going to play about 20, 25 minutes, all right? But I think that um, the team that he's playing, the particular team that he's playing tonight, the New Orleans Pelicans, they play at a real fast pace. It's the third fastest pace in the NBA. Okay, um, again, you know, with Carmelo, Hoodie Melo, as they call him, you know, and they're shooting in the gym and all that. That's, that's a beautiful thing. That's lovely and all that. But you can't really simulate real game action shooting in the gym. I think Carmelo's going to have to pace himself. 
He's going to have to let the game come to him. Um, and I think that, you know, as far as the, the rust is concerned, there's definitely degrees to it. Um, you know, he can look completely out of sync or he could just be a little slow. Um, I think, you know, for, fortunately for him and the Portland Trailblazers, the, um, the Trailblazers don't really run that tough of a defense, uh, excuse me, an offensive system. Okay. Um, it doesn't really rely on a lot of, you know, player familiarity and chemistry. Okay. Um, that team isolates more often than any team in the league, except for the Houston Rockets. And um, he's going to ease his way into shape and into rhythm. Carmelo's just got to basically space the floor, you know, for Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and isolate himself a few times. But he's going to have to knock those shots down. That's the thing. He's going to have to knock those shots down. Not every shot, because we know every shot is not going to fall. But he's going to have to, you know, you know, while he's playing himself back into game shape, he's going to have to knock some shots down to give some people some confidence and, and justification. Like, yeah, we got Carmelo back, and he deserves to be back. Um, again, you know, when, when I first heard about this the other day, Carmelo, you know, signing with, you know, with the Portland Trailblazers, I'm like, well, whose minutes is he going to take? You know, I'm thinking he's going to, you know, probably take some of Mario Hanzosa's minutes and Anthony Tolliver, okay? Um those guys, you know, uh, collectively are averaging about under 40 minutes a night. So I think that, you know, um, even may, maybe some of Sky Labrissier's time sprinkled in, okay, to have Carmelo at the power forward. I, I think that, um, you know, Portland's shorthanded. That's another reason why, you know, they probably, you know, linked up with Carmelo, okay, because um, Zach Collins is out until at least the all-star break, all right? Um, the kid, Nassia Little, he's a rookie. He's been starting at the four spot basically out of necessity, but he's looked decent, okay? He brings energy and he brings defense. That's two things that Carmelo's not going to bring to the table. i say it again. Now, say a little, he's a rookie. He's been starting at the four because it's been necessary for him to do that because he brings energy and he brings defense. Two things that Carmelo is not going to bring to the table. I'm not trying to come down on your man. But I'm just telling it like it is. 954-246-0398 is the math if you want to get it in and chop it up about Carmelo Anthony. Um, how bad is Carmelo going to be defensively? And, I mean, you know, I think that if he's a, a, a complete disaster defensively and teams are able to, you know, go at him over and over and get easy baskets, nothing else is going to matter. Carmelo is going to be largely unplayable if that happens. But I don't think that's going to really be an issue until playoff time if he's around that long. Um, you know, his contract doesn't become guaranteed until January 7th. So, you know, he's going to be on his best behavior until at least then. You know, until then, the Blazers can cut him loose at any time and not pay him another cent. Um, the last time we saw Carmelo in the NBA, he was getting cooked on the defensive side. He had no ability to switch and, 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 and guard even halfway effectively on the perimeter when he was playing with the Houston Rockets, which is probably the main reason he only lasted 10 games with them. You know, um, the season before that, uh, Carmelo was targeted, you know, by the, the Utah Jazz, you know, so badly it was hard to even watch. He really had no business being on the floor, you know. But I think that um, Portland's going to try to surround Carmelo with as many switchable defenders as possible, you know, like uh, you named Nasir Little, Kent Bazemore, okay. Um, if they put Hassan right side out there, it's going to give, you know, Carmelo some, some coverage as far as, you know, guarding the, the rim 
but um, he's going to be vulnerable to pick and rolls. And, and we got to look out for that. You know what I mean? So I think Terry Stotts, he's going to have to really have a challenge, man, to, um, you know, make Carmelo at least somewhat functional on a defensive end. Um, if, that, if that doesn't happen, it's not going to work for very long unless Carmelo shoots the lights out. You know what I mean? Then, you know, you could make up for the defensive uh, deficiencies for, you know, Carmelo, you know, doing his thing, you know, as he's known to do. But how good can Carmelo be on the offensive side? You know, he's not going to, you know, score 20 points a game. He can get, you know, if he can give you 12 to 15, you know, and shoot somewhere about 35% from three, that's going to be valuable for this Portland team that really has to take some kind of pressure off of Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. You know, uh, Dame Lillard is first in the league in minutes played, and C.J. McCollum is third. So, again, I think that, you know, um, what Carmelo can do, he can stretch the floor as a, you know, three-point shooter from the corner. And, you know, again, when I, when I talked about it, I was like, well, where is, you know, he got to get his baskets from, you know? If he could be a pick-and-pop guy with Dame Lillard and, you know, he can, you know, do whatever he needs to do to, um, you know, make the teams pay for those traps that the teams are definitely going to throw his way. Um, I think if you get a pass over the top to Carmelo for open three, then if that shot is going in, I mean, it could provide some kind of relief with teams and they can lay off those double teams because they're definitely going to be coming with Carmelo Anthony on the floor. Um, you know, how, how, how early will, you know, Carmelo be a factor? You know, um, I think that um, this is not going to be a, you know, courtesy or a beginning of a farewell tour for Carmelo Anthony. Knock it off. Get out of here with that nonsense because Portland needs Carmelo to be good. They need him to be good right away. All right. Um, they're five and nine right now. They're playing the New Orleans Pelicans. They just tipped off down in New Orleans. All right. They're five and nine, and um, they're looking up at the playoffs. Um, you know, the Western Conference. We already discussed the Western Conference, man, even before the season started. All right. I think that you know what they need to do is to get Carmelo in rhythm. You know, without compromising their chances of of, of, of playing positive basketball and winning. Um, Lillard is the superstar. He's the face of the squad. He's the point guard. So it's going to be up to him to basically manage this team and Carmelo's role until, you know, he can find his own group, which needs to happen sooner than later. And that's real talk. So again, I, I just hope that, you know, Carmelo does his thing. If he can be, um, you know, the Carmelo that we think he can be, and that's just, you know, playing his, his game, doing what he does. Um, not being a liability out there on the floor on the defensive side, then maybe, you know, the Portland Trailblazers may have something. But um, if Carmelo's not, you know, contributing offensively, then it's going to be a problem. I think that um, Hassan Whiteside has been one of the biggest disappointments in the NBA so far this season. And I think that um, Carmelo Anthony could kind of, like, take some of that attention off of him if he could do, you know, what he needs to do. All right, this is After Further Review, man. 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass. You got your man, the mayor, in the building doing what I do. Hard body karate, 954-246-0398. If you want to talk some sports, man, and chop it up. There's a lot of people out there be talking. You know what I mean? Now's your chance to, to get on the line and let's get it in. You know what I mean? Let's, let's talk about it. Let's get it popping. But, you know, as, as, it, as it is, you know, a lot of people like to leave their conversation for Facebook or Twitter or social media where there's really no competition. They can say what they need to say. 
Um, and I'm not mad at people having their opinions. You know what I mean? You could have an opinion all day long. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I think that, you know, Carmelo just knocked down the three-pointer. Okay, that's positive. He knocked down the three. Okay, that's good. That's, that's a good thing. He just knocked one down. But I think that, um, again, these people with their opinions, it's cool. You know what I mean? But have, you know, be able to have a conversation with somebody who, you know, who could challenge your opinion. You know, you know I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. You know what I'm saying? But let, let's have a conversation about it. Because I see a lot of people talking, and they really don't know what the hell they're talking about. They get their information from, you know, watching, you know, Sports Center or whatever, and then they try to pass it off as some things that they came up with, which is a bunch of nonsense. Because I see how you move. But I'm not going to dwell on that because you see how I give it up and you see how I move. So I'm here every Tuesday night, man, sometimes on Wednesday. You know what I mean? 954-246-0398. We got my man Bob James in the house. Is Bob James in uh, – on, uh, uh, can you speak up for yourself, Bob James? Let the people know uh, you in the building with me. I am right here, man, and I'll tell you if- – I agree with you, man. You know, uh, Melo could be getting himself a big, uh, you know, a second big break here. So, you know, I agree with you, man. You know, I mean, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's right now he's getting the job done, and let's see if the, we can see a consistency now start for this. For, right, you know. right, right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I think that you know, we're, we're, again, like we talked about, man. You know, you're not going to get you know the Olympics, Carmelo. You know what I'm saying? you know, when he's just shooting the lights out and things of that nature. You just want Carmelo to be a contributing factor. You know, if, you know, he's, if he's got a, a wide open three like he just had earlier a few minutes ago, knock it down, you know. But I want to see how they're going to make up for him on the defensive end. You know, if they're going to go at him on the defensive side, I want to see what he brings to the table defensively. If he can bring a little bit, he doesn't have to be a, 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 uh, a all, you know, NBA all-defensive player. He doesn't have to do that. He just has to play, play some defense because, you know, as you know, Carmelo plays that Matador defense. You know, he'll let you get right by him and all bets are off. You know what I mean? But that's just what it is. Uh, let's get into our NBA rundown. This is after further review 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass. Um, you know, I'm not really a big NBA dude um, in, you know, November. I, you know, get at me after the holidays. And then we could talk about the NBA because we still, you know, after the holidays, we still have six months to go as far as the NBA is concerned. But um, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. All right. Uh, we're going to start off with the, um, the Dallas Mavericks. All right. Because the Mavericks got swept by my New York Knicks. Okay. Um, they also lost to the Boston Celtics before beating the Toronto Raptors last Saturday. Dallas's offense has been one of the best in the NBA so far. But they're having – Major defensive issues, man. Chris S. Porzingis has been in a slump, but, you know, he should, you know, get his, you know, get his legs back under him, you know, since he's been out a long time. Uh, Luka Doncic, you know, he's really doing his thing as far as, you know, being in the MVP talk, you know, and I really don't even talk like that, man. The season just started, and I'm not really into that MVP conversation, but he's doing his thing. But um, his three-point percentage did take a, uh, t- take a slight fall this week, all right? The Philadelphia 76ers, um, you know, the, the, the Sixers, man, you know, they expected to do a lot this season, man. Um, they had, you know, two wins over Cleveland. You know, um, they lost to Orlando. They lost to Oklahoma City. Even though Ben Simmons came back, the Sixers still have some offensive issues to figure out. Um, Tobias Harris has been in a, been in a horrific three-point slump, uh, four for 20 over his last four games. Um, that really hasn't helped them. 
Joel Embiid has been, you know, the lone consistent offensive option as of late, as he should, being there, you know, being there, the 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 uh, quote unquote face of the franchise and the quote unquote best player on the team. All right, um, Toronto Raptors, the defending NBA champs, they dropped two or three games to finish out their five game road trip. This team looked, uh, you know, kind of exhausted this week. Um, a lot of minutes played by, you know, Pascal Siakam. He's played uh, over 37 minutes a game this season. And Fred Van Fleet has played over 38 and a half minutes this season. Um, it looks like they've already started to take a toll, and we're not even out of November yet. So, and this is your defending NBA champ. All right? Um, the Los Angeles Clippers, they're not looking too hot either, man. They've already lost five games, five of their first 14 games they've lost. All right? Um, Kawhi Leonard led the Clippers to a win over Toronto. That's his former team. And then they turned around and lost to Houston, and they lost to New Orleans. Okay? The good news is that Paul George is great in his first two games back from injury. He had 37 points in 20 minutes, all right, over um, Atlanta on Saturday. Okay? Kawhi Leonard missed Saturday's game against Atlanta. Uh, it was not a part of a back-to-back, so that could be a little cause for concern. But um, once, you know, uh, Kawhi and Paul George get on the court together, we'll have a better idea of what this team can do. And I think, again, it's early. So, again, if you have a couple of losses here and there, so be it. You know, I'll take that. You know what I mean? As long as when, when March, April, and May roll around and you're, you're, you're where you need to be, you know what I mean? And I definitely fully expect for the Los Angeles Clippers to be in the top, you know, two or three teams in the Western Conference. So any, anything less than that will be a, a major disappointment for this team. Um, the Utah Jazz, they lost a rough one to, to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I think that even though that, that loss was really tough, they're, you know, they're starting to, they're, their offense is starting to click a little bit after they started off a little slow. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, he's clearly benefited from, you know, the team's, you know, uh, offseason additions. Um, his scoring average and his, and his three-point percentage have increased while his turnovers have gone down. So you look at the Utah Jazz to be one of those teams to hang around once we start talking about playoff positioning and seeding right now. Um, you already know if you've been rocking with me, man, after further review, 2.0, a.k.a. the Siren Pass, that I feel like, you know, the beginning the first couple of months of the basketball season is like an extended preseason for these guys, man. I don't really even take the NBA serious until after the new year. You know what I mean? But, again, it is what it is. But um, we're talking about it. A lot of people couldn't wait for this particular NBA season to get started. Now that we're here, I guess we can talk about it a little bit. But I think that um, it's going to really get exciting around, you know, uh, around April and May when we get to those, you know, those playoff positions, especially in the West. You know, it's going to be really exciting to talk about. Um, the Phoenix Suns, I think one of the most surprising teams in the league this year. All right, they lost a, t- a tough one to the Lakers at home, but they came back and beat Atlanta. They continue to, you know, do their thing. Um, as far as the Western Conference is concerned, Devin Booker is playing like a superstar. He's consistent. Uh, Daryl Sarek has averaged over 20 points on 7 for 11, three-point shooting over the last two games. So the Phoenix Suns are doing their numbers. They just have to continue to surprise people. Um, the Denver Nuggets. Nobody, including myself included, thinks that Denver's playing anywhere close to their best basketball. But they had nine and three. Their offense looks a little suspect, but they had 131 points against Memphis. Jamal Murray had 39 points. He dished out eight assists in 31 minutes. 
that's going to help get them started. And if that happens and Denver can maintain that top five defense, I think that they'll really be able to make a, a, a go at the Western Conference, um, you know, the finals and who knows after that, you know. So I like what the Denver Nuggets are doing right now. At least they're looking like um, they're, they're justifying the talk that people had about them at nine and three, you know. Um, the Miami Heat, Miami, they lost two games last week. Um, Miami came back to win against Detroit, Cleveland, and New Orleans to improve to nine and three. They've done all of this without Justice Winslow. He's missed the last five games with a concussion. Uh, Kendrick Nunn has continued his, his great rookie season. He's averaging a team high 21 points a game over the last three games. So Miami's doing some numbers surprisingly in the East. I mean, a lot of people talked about the Heat. Don't get it twisted. A lot of people talked about them. So we expect them to, you know, be there when it's time to get serious about, you know, the Eastern Conference and playoff positioning. I keep saying playoff positioning because it's going to be really important. These games that you play here in November and December, they're going to count once, you know, April and May come around. You're going to, you know, you're going to wish you had those games. All right? Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, okay, that's my Eastern Conference you know, finals team. That's my team that I picked to come out of the East this year. Milwaukee, you know, they turned up their defense, you know, uh, even though they, they, they didn't have Chris Middleton, okay. Uh, Giannis um, is continuing his dominant play, even, you know, doing, you know, better than he, is, than he was doing last year. You know, um, Dante DiVincenzo, Sterling Brown, Pat Connaughton, George Hill, they filled in very, very well for, 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 for uh, Middleton, who's been out. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, he's also taking on a little bit more of the offensive burden for Milwaukee. He's upped his averages to um, uh, over 20 points and six and a half assists in Milwaukee's two wins this week. So he's playing good basketball, and the Milwaukee Bucks are playing good ball. Um, the Boston Celtics, wow. Okay. The Celtics, you know, they could have, you know, had an 11-game winning streak. Uh, Marcus Smart. You know, he had a floater, and, and, and it came off the rim, and they lost to Sacramento on the road. They lost by one point. I'm not mad at Boston for that. Um, Brad, Brad Stevens knows that his team is not playing his best basketball right now. But um, Boston has been pulling out wins with clutch play down the stretch, and you'd like to see that early in the year. This team plays smart. All right? It's going to be interesting to see how they do with, you know, upcoming games against Phoenix, the Clippers, and the Denver Nuggets to close out this current West Coast trip. The Houston Rockets, they won seven straight, and it doesn't really matter who's on the court uh, next to James Harden. He's doing his thing. He's averaging uh, uh, 44 points a game on 24 for 63-point shooting over the last four games. We saw, you know, James Harden carry this team last year after a rough start. But, you know, he, he here to put it, you know, to, to carry this team a little bit more. Due to injuries to Eric Gordon, Daniel House, and Clint Capella, he's going to need to you know keep that up with our road games coming up against Denver and the Clippers schedule for this week. And the Rockets' record is looking at um, at eleven and three. Yes, I'm going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. I know a lot of people can't wait for me to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they're doing their numbers. Anthony Davis had 14 points, one rebound against Atlanta on Sunday. The Lakers won by 21 points. Things are going well. All the Laker fans are popping out of the woodworks once again. Shout out to Kia. Um, on Friday, LeBron hit two clutch free throws. 
You know what I mean? Then Anthony Davis had a, a block against Harrison Barnes to, you know, save that game against Sacramento. You know, um, with Boston finally losing, the Lakers are the only team in the league um, with 11 wins. Um, again, besides Houston, they lead, the, they lead the league in both defensive efficiency and net rating. So, again, the Lakers are doing their numbers, man. You know, so far, so good. You can't be mad at them. All right? So let me take it down to my New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. That's my team. Got to love them. You know what I mean? Um, regardless of what people say, they jump off the bandwagon quick, and I take names down. So when the Knicks do get good, and they're going to get good sooner than later, we're going to hear about, oh, how you was always down with the Knicks. No, you wasn't. And I'm going to be right here to tell you, you wasn't. Don't get it twisted. This week, the Knicks lost to Chicago. They lost to Charlotte. But we beat Dallas. And we beat Cleveland. Never underestimate the New York Knicks and, and, and a real New York Knicks fan. Remember, the guarding crowd booed Kristaps Porzingis every time he touched the ball. And even sometimes when he wasn't nowhere near the ball. And, again, it was a, it was a great win for them. You like to see them close out games. You know what I mean? Um, I guess, I guess, man, as far as the Knicks are concerned, man, you just want them to play smart basketball, man. You know, and I think, and, and for me, this is what I want to say as far as the Knicks are concerned. I think Coach Fizdale has a point when he says this team might be pressing a little bit. You know, they want so badly to do well for New York. You know what I mean? They want to prove that this team can, can make strides and, and be good. You know, they're doing a lot of pressing. And again, you know, I'm not saying that this team is bad, you know, but I think that this team is headed in the right direction regardless of how it may look. Because to me, they're, they're par for the course right now. Because if the Knicks were 10-4 and four instead of 4-10, and 10, everybody and their mother would be a Knicks fan. So I think that they're, they're tested, you know, what David Fisdale said about them pressing, about them wanting to prove and show that, you know, they're, they're ready for prime time. Sometimes, you know, you just have to play your game, you know what I mean, and, and, that, and, and, and it'll come. When you play smart basketball, it shows. When you don't play smart basketball, you don't play, you know, help out on defense, you don't give that effort, it shows. So, again, man, I think that, you know, the Knicks are right where they need to be. And, again, I think if, you know, as long as they can win, you know, 25, 30 games, I think if they can win 30 games, as long as you don't lose 50 games, that's my thing. Don't lose 50 games. I don't care how many games you win. Just don't lose 50. This team is better than that. And, I, and I'm a Knicks fan. Regardless, you, know, you won't see me jumping from the Rockets to the Spurs and the Celtics and the Lakers and the Heat. You won't see me do that. Because the excuse that they give is, oh, they're tired of losing. That's the, that's the joy of being a fan. Because you, and I've said that before on this platform. You, you, you hang out and you rock with those teams, man. And then when they get good, you're justified. You feel like, yeah, you, you hung out with them. And you watch the progress. But a lot of these people, they, this is a microwave society, so they want everything to come instantaneously, and it's not going to work like that. All right? Um, this is after further review, man. 2.0, a.k.a. the Sideline Pass. You got the mayor of the building doing what I do Tuesday night live. We here, 954-246-0398 is the mathematics. We're going to take a pause for the cause, man. We come back. We're going to talk about um, the NFL, man. Miles Garrett, I got some things to say in regards to Stephen A. Smith. 
And uh, we're going to chop it up and make it do what it do. Oh, later on in the show, man, we're going to do our um, top 10. You know, we told you before, we're going to do our top 10, you know, um, uh, games, uh, Super Bowls, NBA Finals of the 2010s. We're going to start tonight with the top 10 Super Bowls of the 2010s, all right? This is After Further Review, man, 2.0, a.k.a. the South Round Pass. Let's get it. Canadian Aquatic Auctions is your place for that aquatic enthusiast and your family this holiday season. With Christmas fast approaching, now is the time to look for that great gift for that special someone who lives the aquatic lifestyle. With years of experience, owner-operator Nelson Fletcher can help you achieve your aquatic needs and goals and help you find that special gift for that aquatic enthusiast you love. You can also converse with other aquatic hobbyists and enthusiasts by logging on to www.aquariumauctions.ca and joining the TAC Room, where you can ask any questions. Visit Canadian Aquatic Auctions today at their website at www.aquariumauctions.ca or their Facebook page at facebook.com slash Canadian Aquatic Sales. Together, we can build lasting relationships based on listening and servicing your needs in a professional environment. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Canadian Aquatic Auctions. My name's James. For six years, I was a garbage can druggie. I would do any kind of drug I would get my hands on. But here at Teen Challenge, I've walked away from that drug lifestyle for good. If you know an adult or teenager who is struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge is there to help. Please, don't wait. Call us today at 417-862-6969 or reach us on the web at teenchallengeusa.com. Christmas is not far away. Come catch Santa on his sleigh. Time is precious. Seize the day at Ski's Watch and Clock. Ski's been in business for 20 years. He knows his stuff, so have no fears. He knows about all those tiny gears inside every clock. When you come to Ski's Watch and Clock, his variety is huge. From wristwatches, pocket watches, stopwatches, desk clocks, mantle clocks, grandfather clocks, new and previously owned reconditioned pieces. Right now, with Christmas so close, we will only accept light repairs till after Christmas. The elves are busy enough as it is filling Santa's sleigh. Don't let the Grinch stop you from filling the stockings or putting things under the tree this year. If you're worried about getting someone a gift, you can put items on layaway with just a small deposit. Thanks to Ski, you can send that stupid Grinch to his bedroom with no dinner or TV and no computer or PlayStation. By now, you must be wondering where Ski's watch and clock is. It's located in beautiful downtown Winter Haven at 106 West Central Avenue, Florida, just across from the main post office. Call 863-294-5630. Again, that number is 863-294-5630. This is our time. We play without limits. We create without rules. We are not for sale. 
We connect with the whole world. Every idea we've shaped. Every relationship we've cultivated. Belongs to us. We demand the freedom to be our uncensored selves. And when something challenges that, we change it. Together. This is our time. Let's start a revolution. Let's MeWe. Join the revolution at MeWe.com. Memories can last a lifetime, especially when it comes to the holidays, especially when it involves taking pictures. If you live in Southern Oregon or Northern California, there's one place you can count on to make those memories last longer than the holidays. That place is Grateful Heart Photography. Abigail Summers can help you with making your Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, or whatever holiday you celebrate the best ever by taking single shots, family portraits, couple portraits, pet photos, and more. She can also capture the finest winter scenery you can imagine. Those photos are available all across the country and around the world at a price that will not empty your wallet for last-minute Christmas shopping. Don't wait until the last minute to get your pictures done for the holidays. Call Abigail Summers at Grateful Heart Photography at 541-951-2443 or message her at her Facebook page by searching Grateful Heart Photography. Much of her work can be found there. Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year from all your friends at Grateful Heart Photography. If you're looking for action-packed classic fun, look no further. Cut it! It's a machine gun! Look out, Daddy! Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! For the best in old-time radio adventures, you've come to the right place. This is one nostalgic weekend. Saturdays and Sundays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific on Action VR Network. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Are you looking for a great education that's also in a great location? Ladies and gentlemen, this next record needs no introduction.
peace. What's going on? This is After Further Review 2.0, a.k.a. the Sideline Pass. You got the mayor in the building, hard body karate, doing what I do. All right, Tuesday Night Live, man. We rocking with y'all, man, from 9, 8 p.m. I'm sorry, 8 p.m. Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern. We rocking out, doing what we do, making it happen for y'all. Talking sports, man. If you want to chop it up, 954-246-0398 is the mathematics. Or you can just hang out and listen, man. Actually, VR Network is holding me down. Shout out to Spreaker and all that. Um, we talked about uh, Carmelo doing his thing, man, coming back to the league, joining the Portland Trailblazers. All right. They're playing right now against the um, New Orleans Pelicans down in New Orleans. All right. Um, we're going to jump into the NFL a little bit. We're going to hang out with the NFL for a little while, man. I got my hockey people. I got y'all covered. We're still going to talk free agency and baseball. We're still going to talk college football playoff rankings and all that. But I want to stay on the NFL for a hot second, all right? I want to go over a couple of games from uh, last week. Um, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, let me talk about them first and get them out the way. Um, another rough day at the office for Jameis Winston. As my Buccaneers lost in New Orleans 34-17. Winston threw four interceptions. He was really inaccurate for most of the game. He really didn't take any deep shots down the field. And when he did, they were nowhere close to, you know, his intended target. Um, I think that's what helped the lead to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin combining for one catch in the first half. And, you know, uh, they dug a hole that was too big for them to overcome. Uh, defensively, they had no answer for Alvin Kamara. He had 122 yards from scrimmage. And again, it's just a typical, uh, another typical not showing up game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's my team. You know what I mean? So, again, I think that we're watching the last days of Jameis Winston, man, as a Buccaneers quarterback. Regardless of what uh, Bruce Arian says, regardless of what he's trying to sell you, um, the proof is in the pudding. Okay? We're watching, you know, Jameis Winston just, you know, uh, 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 go down the rabbit hole every week. We're watching him go down the rabbit hole. There's no excuse for it. Not at all. You know, you bring in this guy, you bring in Dirk Cutter, the offensive coordinator, then you bring in Bruce Arians, who's supposed to know Jameis Winston from when he was a little kid and all this nonsense. I said that from the door. Oh, give him a chance. I, I don't know what these people be talking about. Give him a chance. I'm not giving you nothing. I already know how you get there. I know how you do. So I'm not giving you a chance. I don't poo-poo that. Stop poop, stop being so 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 forgiving. And look at it for what it is. From a realistic point of view. Instead of, oh, we're gonna give them a chance and, and you can't win them all. Tampa Bay don't win none. That's the problem. But anyway, off of that. The New Orleans Saints, they took control of the game from the jump street. They went up twenty to nothing in the first half. They did struggle to get into the end zone to start. But, um, you know, they had a field day intercepting Jameis Winston. Drew Brees and Michael Thomas were able to open up the scoring a little bit. Defensively, they were able to pressure Jameis Winston all game long and force mad turnovers, a pick six that iced any sort of comeback in the fourth quarter, okay? And, again, if you've been listening to this show, and I've been doing this show for a long time, I always tell you about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Shout out to my man, Sonny Cruz. We could be down big early, and then all of a sudden you turn away from the game, you turn back to the game, it's a thriller in the last minutes. Okay? Um, New Orleans did allow Tampa Bay to make this relatively close in the second half, 
you know. But um, again, at the end of the day, Tampa Bay walks away with another loss. All right. Um, another game I want to talk about. I want to talk about the um, Buffalo Bills over the Miami Dolphins. The Bills are having a, a decent season this year, and I want to give them some credit. All right. Um, Josh Allen wasn't the only one who put on a show for Buffalo um, in a 37-20 win over Miami. Um, the Buffalo Bills defense did too, all right? Um, after watching Ryan Fitzpatrick lead Miami to two straight upsets, the Bills never really gave him a chance to get started. Um, Buffalo terrorized Ryan Fitzpatrick. They had seven sacks, you know, and, and the most impressive part about those seven sacks is that they came from eight different players, all right? Um, they also got a much-needed rebound game from Steven Hoska, who was their kicker. All right, remember he missed two field goals last week against the Browns. This week, Hoska hit all seven of his kicks. He hit three field goals and four extra points, including the 51-yarder in the first quarter. So, I mean, the Buffalo Bills, man, I think that, you know, they're having a surprising season. They're playing under the radar. Nobody's really talking about them. You know what I mean? As, as it should be. Because when you start talking about teams and giving them them shine and paying attention to them, that's when they start feeling themselves. That's when they start feeling like they can just go out there and, and, and all they got to do is show up and they'll win. It doesn't work like that. All right? As far as the Miami Dolphins are concerned, they got off to a slow start in this game against Buffalo. They fell behind 13 nothing in the second quarter. Um, and they really had no shot at coming back um, due mostly to the fact that the offense was inept, okay, that Buffalo's defense was doing work. Again, like I said, they sacked Ryan Fitzpatrick seven times. Um, the two biggest highlights of the game for Miami came from special teams. Not only did Miami recover an onside kick, which is only the second time this year that an onside kick has been recovered, all right, but Joaquin Grant returned the kickoff 101 yards for a touchdown in the third quarter. So, I mean, you know, that's what you could say about as far as the Miami Dolphins are concerned. game I want to talk about. Baltimore Ravens over the Houston Texans. Now, this to me, um, with the people that I talked to, you know, they were considering this kind of a game of the week, playoff preview type situation. Two of the top, you know, the, the top young guns in the league. You had Lamar Jackson doing what he does. You got Deshaun Watson doing what he does for the uh, Houston Texans. But, um, you know, the Texans had a chance to prove a real good chance to prove that this team was real. On the road, playing one of the top teams in the AFC, um, even by keeping things competitive for a little while, they couldn't. You know, Deshaun Watson looked really bad. Okay? His play calling didn't help. The offensive line didn't help. But neither did his end to throw the ball. ball. Do you watch Tom Brady? When Tom Brady gets in trouble, he throws the ball away. Throw the ball away. And that, that, that run defense that they talk about in Houston, where was it? Okay? I think they were playing for fake pride at the end of the game, but still it wasn't pretty. All right? Um, I'm not even going to give them no excuses, even though that their, their secondary is injury, you know, riddle. Everybody is hurt on their secondary, but that's no excuse. You go in there and do what you need to do. You don't give up 41. But, again, it's the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson really wasn't at his best, you know, to start the game. But it really didn't matter. Um, the MVP candidate, he was electric with his legs. Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, they picked up steam as the game won to keep that ground game balanced for Baltimore. 
against allegedly one of the NFL top run defenses. And on the defensive side of the ball, the Ravens were even more promising. They had seven sacks. Okay, and they made Deshaun Watson uncomfortable from the start. So if you're still doubting the Baltimore Ravens as a serious contender, now's the time to knock it off. You gotta give them their give them their due, their props, whatever you want to do, but you got to give the Ravens uh, uh, some credit for what they're doing so far this season. All right. Um, a couple more games I want to talk about as far as the NFL is concerned. Um, let's get into this one. The Oakland Raiders. Yes, the Oakland Raiders. I, I, I like what they're doing. I like what the Oakland Raiders are doing this year. You can't knock them. You know, um, I think, you know, the Raiders, you know, almost they almost lost on Sunday. But, you know, they had two rookies and one veteran end up saving the day for them. One of those rookies was a fourth-round uh, uh, draft pick, Max Crosby, who did his numbers. I mean, on the defensive side, the Raiders are the truth. And he just really ran through Cincinnati's offensive line. Oakland had five sacks in the game, four of them from Max Crosby. Cincinnati couldn't figure out how to block this dude. Another rookie who, who carried the Oakland Raiders is Josh Jacobs. Okay? Even though, you know, he did lose a fumble early in the game, he did come back with 112 rushing yards. All right? Um, the veteran help that Oakland had came from Derek Carr. Remember they was trying to get rid of Derek Carr? Remember the Oakland Raiders was like, yo, we don't know. Oh, yes. So Derek Carr the team. Oh, yes, I remember that. Derek Carr had 200 in a game where he only threw four incomplete passes. I mean, the win wasn't really, wasn't, really wasn't pretty, 17 to 10, you know, but, you know, it counts. So I think that, you know, what they do is take this one as, as a lesson and, and improve. And watch out for the Raiders. They're going to upset somebody's season. Watch out for the Raiders. As far as Cincinnati, the Bengals, I got one for you, Wack. I got one for you, um, Bob James. Burrow for Burrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Cincinnati is Burrow for Burrow. <laughs> Yo, um, you know what? I think, you know, Ryan Finley, you know, I think, you know, what the, what the Raiders want to do was make, you know, Ryan Finley beat them. And, I, you know, he couldn't do anything against Oakland's defense. Okay, Finley had 13 for 31 for 115 yards. All right? The only reason that Cincinnati was able to keep this game close is because they're able to, you know, do some things on the ground. They also came up with some big plays on defense. All right? They did um, have a fumble recovery after Josh Jacobs lost the ball in the red zone. Um, why did Cincinnati go away from the run? They, I mean, they averaged almost eight yards a carry. You know, um, and the brunt of that came from Joe Mixon. He carried the ball 15 times for 86 yards. Okay. Um, the Bengals are now 0-10. They have tied the 1993 Cincinnati squad for the worst start in franchise history. And um, it, 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 gets no, it gets no worse than that, man. I'm just trying to tell you now. Um, San Francisco 49ers over Arizona 36-26. The 49ers won the game despite rushing for under 40 yards. They had over 120 yards in penalties. They lost Emmanuel Sanders and D4 to injuries during the game. Um, the key to their comeback victory, because they were down 16 to nothing early, was Jimmy Garoppolo. 
He threw for a career high four twenty-four and four touchdowns. And he had a game-winning 25-yard touchdown pass to Jeff Wilson with 31 seconds left. Remember, George Kittle was out at tight end. And with Emmanuel Sanders on the bench for most of the second half, Garoppolo had major success throwing to Debo Samuels, who's a star. He had eight catches for 134 yards. Fullback Kyle Jushik, he had seven catches for 63 yards. And backup tight end Ross Dwelly, okay, who had the first two touchdowns of his career. Okay, after a slow start, the Niners' defense forced two punts and two turnovers during the second half. Um, the Niners' defense also held Kyler Murray to 150 passing yards for the game and less than 25 rushing yards in the second half. So the Niners are doing, you know, doing what they do, but I think the rough part of their schedule is about to come up for them. As far as Arizona is concerned, the Cardinals played well enough to win. But for the second time in three weeks, they, they couldn't do it. They couldn't beat the 49ers. You know, they, they shut the 49ers rushing attack down. Um, you know, and, and for a second time, they were unable to contain uh, Garoppolo and San Francisco's passing attack. Um, Arizona also fit a big game from our receiver. Chris, he had six catches for 41 yards. They got to do better than that. All right. Even though they had some success on the ground. The Cardinals ran the ball just 25 times, all right? And Kenyon um, Arizona, their lack of success on third down, uh, they were just 3 of 10, was another key factor in the game that they lost. Um, conversely, man, that defense of Arizona allowed the San Francisco 49ers to convert on some big third downs, man, during that comeback. So, again, and Arizona, you know, they can play. But it's just it's just the the to get better, and we know this team can play, and this team could be better, but they got to get better. Um, we're gonna talk about a couple more NFL games, man, before we knock this thing off. And I'm talking to, uh, about the uh, Colin Kaepernick situation. Um, Dallas Cowboys over Detroit. It has to be said again that the Cowboys' defense is nowhere near where it needs to be. All right? They allowed 27 points at the hands of backup quarterback Jeff Driscoll of the Detroit Lions. All right? Luckily for them, you know, they, they kind of got it together on the Lions' final drive that could have threatened to put this game into overtime. You know, they, they you know, stepped up when they all right, um, to – the Lions into a fourth and 26, and that really basically sealed the game because Dallas never gave the ball back. All right. Um, they had a okay, and I think you know, Dak Prescott throwing for 444 yards. You know, the price is going up every week with this guy, so Jerry better get it together. Okay, he also had three touchdowns. And again, man, I think that, um, you know, Dallas is not playing up to their capabilities yet. Shout out to my man and Malcolm Andrews, but. It just is. I think that, you know, Jeff Driscoll did what he could do. You know, he gave the Cowboys defense a run for their money. That, that kind of like coincides with what he could do through the air. Uh, Kelly, Kenny Galladay had some big plays. Marvin Jones had a couple of big plays. Marvin Hall, uh, J.D. McKissick, and two rushing touchdowns from former Cowboys seventh-round pick Bo Scarborough. All right, so Detroit stayed in the game, and they kept pressure on the Cowboys all the way to the two-minute warning. 
But that defense went back to sleep, though. You know what I mean? So it, it, it left too much for, for Driscoll to overcome, and the Cowboys walked away with a victory in Detroit. A couple more games, man, then we're going to talk about this situation, man, um, that's happening off the field. New England Patriots over the Philadelphia Eagles. Patriots won 17-10. Tom Brady wasn't at his best. Is you know, the age starting to creep up on Tom Brady. What are we doing with Tom Brady? All right? But the Patriots found a way to win thanks to their number one defense, taking advantage of an injured, you know, Eagles offense and also an Eagles offense that still can't catch the ball. Nelson Aguilar, all right? Yeah, I'm going to say names. The Patriots had five sacks. They held the Eagles at just 152 yards and no points in the final 40-plus minutes. Okay, that allowed New England to get back into the game by chipping away. Even though New England was 5 for 16 on third down and 1 for 3 in the red zone. Um, I think the play that really gave the Patriots the win, and we're talking about the Patriots and the Eagles. So this, this, this series has a history of, you know, trickery and trickeration. All right? Um, on third and 11, from the Eagles 15, with about 11 minutes to play in the third quarter, Julian Edelman, remember, he's a former quarterback at Kent State. He threw a touchdown pass to Philip Dorsett to give the Patriots the lead and then connected on a two-point conversion to take a touchdown lead that ended up being the final score. Without that play, the Patriots might have lost their second game in a row. All right? Um, as far as the Eagles are concerned, I mean, it's, it's hard to judge the Eagles, man, on offense when – they didn't really have, you know, Alshon Jeffrey. They didn't have Jordan Howard. But their offense just wasn't good enough to make up for that defense that held Tom Brady to 26 or 47 for 216 and no touchdowns. All right? Um, I think, you know, the Eagles averaged over four and a half yards of carry in the first half. But, again, they turned away from the run as Carson Wentz. And, and again, I don't like Carson Wentz. I don't think he's as bad as Matt Ryan. But I don't think he's as good as people make him out to be. All right? He held on to the ball way too long. He was inconsistent throwing the ball all day long. He was 20 for 40 for 214 yards and a touchdown. And just had 82 yards from his wide receivers all day long. That big fourth down drop in the end zone in the, uh, on the pass that could have tied up the game by, you guessed it, Nelson Aguilar. This dude can't catch a cold. All right, the Eagles' offense is banged up at too many positions. They lost their starting left tackle and their starting right tackle during the game. You know, and, and, and if you want to be efficient, you can't have that. You know, and the quarterback right now, I'm, I'm looking at Carson Wentz as being kind of suspect. And again, man, I, I said it before. I said it even when they had Nick Foles. With Nick Foles, even before the Super Bowl run, this Eagles team responded to Nick Foles. Okay. The, the rub on Carson Wentz was that, you know, he's looking for Zach Ertz all the time. He doesn't spread the ball around. But it's hard to spread the ball around when your receiver's not able to catch the ball. It's hard to do that, you know. But it is what it is with the Eagles. And we'll see if they can still, you know, have a run into the division. I think that um, the NFC East may come down to, you know, week 16 when the Cowboys and the Eagles get it popping. And we'll see. But Carson Wentz definitely has to step his game up to really have, you know, show um, his teammates that he could do it and for his teammates to have confidence in him. He's got to step it up. All right? 
One more before we get out of here, man. We're going to take a pause for the cause. Um, the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams. Man, listen. The Chicago Bears, a lot of people had the Bears in the Super Bowl this year. Mitch, don't call me Mitch. Call me Mitchell Trubisky. I'm going to call him Mitch. His mama named him Mitch. I'm going to call him Mitch. Mitch Trubisky was so bad in this game that it looked like he got benched in the fourth quarter when the Bears still had a chance to win this game. The reason why Trubisky allegedly got benched is that the Bears' offense looked inept. It looked like garbage. We've been saying that for five weeks. And especially in the second half, when the game was still close, the Bears went three and out on three big possessions. Yeah, okay, it wasn't all Trubisky's fault. You know, even when he was able to move the ball, the Bears found other ways to, to throw the game away. Eddie Pinero missed two field goals that could have made a big difference in the game. Um, the only bright spot for the Bears was their defense. They held the Rams to under 300 yards. I'll take that. As far as the Rams, um, Ty Gurley looked decent. It took 11 weeks. But, again, he had 133 yards against the Bears, which was his highest total for the year. Um, the biggest surprise was that he had 25 carries, which was his highest total since October of 2018. Um, I think that, you know, the Rams and, and, and you need to utilize Gurley a little bit more, actually a lot more, okay, because he was one of the few bright spots in this offense that had trouble moving the ball. That says a lot about Jared Goff. Fortunately for the Rams, you know, their struggles on offense didn't really end up hurting them because their defense is crazy. I, it just really shut the Bears down, which is really hard to do. Me and Bob James and Mike Summers can go out there and shut the Bears' offense down. All right? The Rams, they were led by Aaron Donald. What else is new? He had two of the team's three sacks. Jalen Ramsey also broke up four passes as the Rams held the Bears to under 200 passing yards. So, again, man, quarterback play makes a difference. And your team will get exposed if your quarterback is not doing what he's supposed to do. Ask Mitch Trubisky. Ask Jared Goff. All right? This is after further review, man. 2.0, a.k.a. the Sirat Pass. You got the mayor in the building doing what I do. We're going to take a pause for the cause. When we come back, we're going to talk college football, the playoff rankings. We're going to talk that. And I got some stuff to say about the Colin Kaepernick situation. All right? This is after further review, 2.0, a.k.a. the Sirat Pass. Let's get it. Canadian Aquatic Auctions is your place for that aquatic enthusiast in your family this holiday season. With Christmas fast approaching, now is the time to look for that great gift for that special someone who lives the aquatic lifestyle. With years of experience, owner-operator Nelson Fletcher can help you achieve your aquatic needs and goals and help you find that special gift for that aquatic enthusiast you love. You can also converse with other aquatic hobbyists and enthusiasts by logging on to www.aquariumauctions.ca and joining the TAC room where you can ask any questions. Visit Canadian Aquatic Auctions today at their website at www.aquariumauctions.ca or their Facebook page at facebook.com slash Canadian Aquatic Sales. Together we can build lasting relationships based on listening and servicing your needs in a professional environment. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Canadian Aquatic Auctions. My name's James. 
For six years, I was a garbage can druggie. I would do any kind of drug I would get my hands on. But here at Teen Challenge, I've walked away from that drug lifestyle for good. If you know an adult or teenager who is struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge is there to help. Please, don't wait. Call us today at 417-862-6969 or reach us on the web at teenchallengeusa.com. Christmas is not far away. Come catch Santa on his sleigh. Time is precious. Seize the day at Ski's Watch and Clock. Ski's been in business for 20 years. He knows his stuff, so have no fears. He knows about all those tiny gears inside every clock. When you come to Ski's Watch and Clock, his variety is huge. From wristwatches, pocket watches, stopwatches, desk clocks, mantel clocks, grandfather clocks, new and previously owned reconditioned pieces. Right now, with Christmas so close, we will only accept light repairs till after Christmas. The elves are busy enough as it is filling Santa's sleigh. Don't let the Grinch stop you from filling the stockings or putting things under the tree this year. If you're worried about getting someone a gift, you can put items on layaway with just a small deposit. Thanks to Ski, you can send that stupid Grinch to his bedroom with no dinner or TV and no computer or PlayStation. By now, you must be wondering where Ski's watch and clock is. It's located in beautiful downtown Winter Haven at 106 West Central Avenue, Florida, just across from the main post office. Call 863-294-5630. Again, that number is 863 863- Two nine four five six three zero. This is our time. We play without limits. We create without rules. We are not for sale. We connect with the whole world. Every idea we've shaped. Every relationship we've cultivated. Belongs to us. We demand the freedom to be our uncensored selves. And when something challenges that, we change it. Together. This is our time. One, two, three. Let's start a revolution. Let's MeWe. Join the revolution at MeWe.com. Memories can last a lifetime, especially when it comes to the holidays, especially when it involves taking pictures. If you live in Southern Oregon or Northern California, there's one place you can count on to make those memories last longer than the holidays. That place is Grateful Heart Photography. 
Abigail Summers can help you with making your Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, or whatever holiday you celebrate the best ever by taking single shots, family portraits, couple portraits, pet photos, and more. She can also capture the finest winter scenery you can imagine. Those photos are available all across the country and around the world at a price that will not empty your wallet for last-minute Christmas shopping. Don't wait until the last minute to get your pictures done for the holidays. Call Abigail Summers at Grateful Heart Photography at 541-951-2443 or message her at her Facebook page by searching Grateful Heart Photography. Much of her work can be found there. Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year from all your friends at Grateful Heart Photography. If you're looking for action-packed classic fun, look no further. Carter, the machine gun. Look out, Daddy! The best in old-time radio adventures, you've come to the right place. This is One Nostalgic Weekend. Saturdays and Sundays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific on Action VR Network. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Are you looking for a great education that's also in a great location? Check out College of the Siskiyous. We offer a variety of career and technical education programs, general education, and personal enrichment classes. With our new Reg365 process, you can register for any semester, any time of the year. With on-campus housing, an active campus life, competitive athletics, and expert guidance from our highly trained staff, College of the Siskiyous is waiting for you. Call us today. Dude in the cherry red suit tearing up the floor tonight. He's shaking his hips, got a sack full of gifts and a beard that's crazy white. He's got the party rocking, candy canes and stockings, dancing like he's Michael, spinning like the vinyl, sleigh bells in the air, favorite time of year. Boom, we back in the building, man. This is After Further Review 2.0, a.k.a. the Sideline Pass. You got the mirror in the building, man. If you want to get at me live and direct, man, I'm on Twitter at RMDesk, man. Bring your A-game to the table because we take no shorts so we don't play with nobody's kids. I got a call in the building, man. Um, one, of my, one of my dudes, man. I ain't talked to him in a long time. He's a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. I thought he was trying to call him to get at me because I said something wrong about his team. But um, <laughs> my man, Salik, man, what's good, man? How are you, Playboy? Hey, man, not much, man. I appreciate you for having me on for a quick minute, man. You know, it ain't no hard offense, man. I already know what my Dolphins is doing. I'm just hoping for brighter days. 
Okay, that's what it is, man. I appreciate you, man. Um, yeah, this is one of my guys right here that we talk sports on a serious note. You know what I mean? Because, again, you could talk sports to people and they really don't know what they're talking about. So you got to kind of let them live because we're in a society today where everybody's opinion matters. You know what I mean? Regardless of what they're saying or whatever. So, Salik, man, um, we talked about the Miami Dolphins a little bit. You want to give a little quick one? You, you mentioned behind the scenes how you're, you know, you like how the team is moving with Brian Flores and things of that nature. Get into that a little bit. I know you, your time is limited. Get into that a little bit. You know what, man? For a long time, I've been watching this, you know, this cycle of mediocrity over and over. You know, eight and eight, not really good enough to get high in the draft and not really good enough to make the playoffs. So right. I'm just, I'm glad to finally be out of that loop and actually looking at something a little bit brighter. You know, for years, mm-hmm. they always try to, um, you know, I guess band-aid a problem, find one or two fixes to do something. And when you're working with somebody else's players in another system, it just doesn't work. It really doesn't. So for uh, Brian Flores to come in, you know, bring in a coaching staff that's on the same page with him and for uh, general manager Chris Greer to also, you know, be all in the loop on how they want to draft and everything, I, I mm-hmm. appreciate the direction. I appreciate how he's getting these guys to buy into the system and, uh, you know, play hard for pretty much a lost season. You know, that's rough as a player. So I, I, I appreciate where he's going. I would love to see what he does with a little more talent. Okay, that's what's up. That's 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 a diehard right there, man. Because again, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, so I know exactly where you're coming from, my guy. You know what I mean? Um, you know, patience is a virtue, not something that'll hurt you. But um, you know, again, you know, one day, you know, like I said earlier in the show, man, you know, they you know they laugh at me because I'm a, a Buccaneers fan or a Knicks fan or whatever. But I stood that you know I I took those 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 bows and arrows. So when we do finally get good, I can say I was there. You know what I mean? Exactly. And you know how I give it up. I will tell you quick, fast, and in a hurry, you wasn't rocking with us when we was garbage. You know what I mean? You, you wasn't rocking with You know what I'm saying? So, again, man, um, I appreciate you. Real quick, before we get you out of here, man, uh, what's your thoughts on Carmelo coming back um, with the Portland Trailblazers? You know what? I was I was off on Carmelo most of the summer, most of the offseason. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, like, a, a team-first player, and I like for – you know, readers such as somebody like a Carmelo to really uplift their team and push them. And I never really felt like Carmelo was that guy. Um, mm. After this little bit of time off, I think he's probably reassessed where his game is now and what really means to uh, to be a winner rather than to try to, you know, get the money from the big contract. So I'm yeah. actually interested in seeing how the Blazers integrate him into their system, but I think he's definitely needed there. And I think he'll thrive there if he willing to accept the role. Okay, okay, okay. I like that. I mean, you know, again, like you said, you said a lot, man. Again, um, when he wants to, um, you know, kind of like be a, a part of the team instead of it being about Carmelo and everybody else. So again, right. you know, he's got a, you know, he's got another shot here at Portland. And again, um, you know, he's he's gonna, you know, show that rust. You know what I mean? And as long as he could acclimate himself, you know, give him 20, 25 minutes, and he could, you know, knock down some of them shots. He knocked down his first three, which was a good sign. But, on, you know, I'm, what I'm worried about with Carmelo is on the defensive end. Oh, yeah, you man. Know, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, and he's going to have to really, you know, they're either going to expose him or, you know, it's, he's going to have to either, you know, really, really be good on the offensive side of the ball and, and, and not really have them worried about what he does or doesn't do defensively because he's knocking down three-point shots. But, again, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier in the show, like last year when he was playing against Utah, they exposed him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so you don't, you don't want to have that Carmelo. You just want a Carmelo that can, you know, be there and, and can contribute. And as far as this, uh, this, this, this uh, um, farewell tour, knock it off, throw it out the window. Right. Get it. We're not doing that. 
knock it off. He's not you know that what guy. Yeah, not not today. <laughs> nah, he's not Word that guy, up. man. Word you up, man. Pearson, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Salik, man, um, I appreciate you. Let everybody know where you're calling from, man. And and we definitely, you know, appreciate you checking in. And, and don't be a stranger, man. Word up. Absolutely not, man. Irvington, New Jersey, in the building. Definitely going to check in with my man Chris, man. Y'all keep calling in, keep checking with him, let him build with y'all. No doubt, man. I appreciate you, man. All right, man. Have a good one. Peace. Yes, sir. That's my guy right there, man. Salik in the building, Irvington, New, New Jersey, on the check-in. This is after further review, man. 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass. You see how we give it up. Bring your A-game to the table. 954-246-0398 is the mathematics. Please bring your A-game to the table because we don't want to have to play you out over these airwaves because we definitely will get it in. You know what I mean? All right, so um, I got the hockey people. I see my Hockey people out there, they waiting. They want to get it in. I got you. Don't worry about it. Right now, I got you. In Buffalo, the Sabres trailed the Minnesota Wild 3 nothing in the third period. Third period in Columbus, the Blue Jackets lead the Montreal Canadiens 3-2. Third period in Pittsburgh, the Penguins lead the Islanders 4-2. Third period down in Florida, the Panthers lead the Flyers 4-2. Third period in New Jersey, all right, the Boston Bruins are beating the brakes off of the New Jersey Devils 4-1. to one. And um, some more scores we got for you as far as the NHL is concerned. The Ottawa Senators lead Detroit 4-2 to two in the second period. Second period in Nashville, the Predators trail Winnipeg 2 nothing. Second period in St. Louis, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lead the St. Louis Blues 1-0. First period in Dallas, the Stars lead the Canucks 1-0. First period in Chicago, the Hurricanes of Carolina lead the Blackhawks 1-0. First period in Calgary, that's up there in Canada for all y'all that don't know uh, how to read a map. Um, the Avalanche lead the Flames 1-0 in the first period, and they dropped the puck in Las Vegas at 10 o'clock. The Toronto Maple Leafs are out there visiting the Golden Knights, and at 10.30 they dropped the puck in San Jose. The Sharks are hosting the Edmonton Oilers. All right? So I took care of my hockey people. I got more for y'all. Just rock out with me. This is after further review. 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass. All right. I want to I do. Kaepernick. I think um, he did the right thing. He looked out for Colin Kaepernick, as he should. All right? He didn't want to pigeonhole himself into a situation where the NFL controlled the narrative. And it's as simple as that. He didn't want to go into a situation where everything was locked off to the media he had to sign waivers and things of that nature so the NFL could say, well, he didn't really look good. That's why we didn't sign him. So I, I, I'm with that. And so for all the people like Stephen A. Smith, Stephen A. Smith is my guy. If you go on my Facebook page, you see that I, I've interviewed Stephen A. Smith. That's my guy. He's a good dude. But sometimes, man, he's a little bananas with it. And I think that this is one of those situations. I think that, again, Stephen A., you know, it's his, it's his job to opine on things, to talk about situations, you know, as he sees them. But sometimes right is right and wrong is wrong, okay? Um, I think Colin Kaepernick, again, he did his due diligence. He understood what the situation was. We don't care if he had on a Kuta Kinte shirt. It matters a damn. That doesn't have nothing to do with nothing. He went out there, he showed and proved that he could still be, you know, viable as a quarterback. When you're out here signing the, 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 the worst of the worst, and you're going to tell me that Colin Kaepernick can't get a job, you're signing Sean Hill, 
deciding all these bums out here and Colin Kaepernick had to cover himself because we know how the NFL give it up. We know how the NFL does. So I'm not mad at Colin Kaepernick at all for what he did. I hope a team calls him. If they don't, then that's their loss. You know, he just, you know, the NFL wanted Colin Kaepernick to play their game by their terms. And Colin Kaepernick has not been playing the NFL game by the NFL terms for the last three years. So why would he do that now? Okay. They sent the video out to all 32 teams. Somebody needs to make a call. But you know what I think, though? You know what I think, Bob? And shout out to my man, Samik, for checking in. Man, I appreciate you, Playboy. Um, I think that the NFL is kind of shook at this point. Nobody wants to take that leap of faith. Nobody wants to say, okay, we're going to sign this guy because you know you know, sign Colin Kaepernick. The story is going to be all about Colin Kaepernick. It's not even going to be about the team. Whatever team that decides to, 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 to you know, link up with him. And, and Lord knows that there's some teams that could use Colin Kaepernick. Let's not get it twisted. So, again, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. You don't want to sign Colin Kaepernick because of the drama that he brings. It's not drama. It's reality. And let's go back to the crux of the situation. It wasn't about whether he could play or not, because I hear a lot of these weirdos talk about Colin Kaepernick was no good. Colin Kaepernick, knock it off, 16 touchdowns and four interceptions. It wasn't him. It was the team he was on. 954-246-0398. If you choose to stand on your square, because I'm going to stand on mine. I'm with Colin Kaepernick all day. Hard body karate. You're doing Colin Kaepernick. understand that you don't want you don't want anybody to speak up for themselves and remember it wasn't about Colin Kaepernick it wasn't about taking the knee it was about what was going on out here in, in, in these streets everybody seems to kind of forget that and they kind of want to focus on well Colin Kaepernick wasn't that good of a quarterback no oh, no no that that's not it Colin Kaepernick was bringing attention to a situation that he didn't need to bring attention to why, why should it take Colin Kaepernick to bring attention to police brutality? Why? And if that was the way he could do it, then so be it. You mean to tell me with all the killers, and they are killers, alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, sexual deviants, Robert Kraft, that went around in the NFL, you mean to tell me that Colin Kaepernick can't get a job? Colin Kaepernick can't back up somebody. Colin Kaepernick's not better than Mitchell Trubisky. Come on, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? So, again, at the end of the day, it's not about the monkey stuff. It's not about that. It's not about that. Even though they want to make, they want to rock you to sleep with all of that. Colin Kaepernick, he's going to be, uh, he's going to cause trouble for, no, he's not. All he wants to do is play. Give the man a shot. And all this about the Canadian Football League and all that nonsense, knock it off. It's not about the Canadian Football League. It never was. It's about the NFL. That man's standing on his square. And as far as Stephen A. Smith is concerned, come on, Stephen A., man. Come on, man. And you're a good dude, man, because we had conversations. We talked. And like, yo, right now, you kind of like, look like you bucking right now, my dude. And you know what I mean. You bucking right now. You're not saying what you really want to say. 
know what I mean? But you know, like, like those great philosophers, the Wu-Tang Clan, they said cash rules everything. So you're the highest paid dude up at ESPN right now. So you got to hold that space down. I used to tease you because you have to hold your parking lot spot now. Now you got to make sure that you secure the bag. Ain't that what they call it now, securing the bag? So you're going to say anything to secure that bag, even though it might sound crazy. You let Max Kellerman play you out. You let Max Kellerman tell speak truth to power when you should have been doing it. And Michael Eric Dyson, I don't know what the hell he was doing. He's selling a book. So what the hell is he doing up there? What does Colin Kaepernick and his, his uh, trials and tribulations try to get to the NFL have to do with selling a book? And Tupac. Come on, man. And as far as Jay-Z is concerned, yeah. Yeah, Jay. You got your fingerprints on this, my dude. It didn't work out, so you got to capitulate to Roger Goodell. You're disappointed in Colin Kaepernick. Why? Why? Why are you disappointed, Jay? I can see why those other people are disappointed, but why are you disappointed? I don't get it. Everybody tries to play both ends against the middle. And, and again, I, I, you know, I don't want to harp on Stephen A. Because Stephen is my man. That's that's a good dude, yo. But when you you know, we can have these conversations. When you're right, you're right. And when you're wrong, you should be able to eat that. And it seems like Stephen A. is doing everything in his power not to you know say, well, hey, listen, man, I might have you know jumped out the window on this. You know what I mean? I might have put the cart before the horse on this one. I mean, I didn't think it all the way through. And it's fine. It happens. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, again, man, Colin Kaepernick was absolutely right. He wasn't going to sign any indemnity clauses and any waivers to give the NFL the right to control the narrative. He wants to control his own narrative, and I'm not mad at him for that. And neither should the NFL be. Okay? So, again, at the end of the day, we know what we're dealing with with the NFL, and Colin Kaepernick didn't want to play that game. So don't rock me to sleep about Kuta Kinte shirts and they had it all set up and all that. Nah, knock it off. He did what he had to do for him. And I think anybody in their right mind that got common sense would do the same thing, made sure that their bases were covered. Because, again, we know what we're dealing with with the NFL. We know how Roger Goodell and them play. We know how they give it up. So salute and hats off to Colin Kaepernick, man. I hope you get signed, and if you don't, then it's the NFL's fault. We see what it is. Because, again, all 32 teams have that video. And from what I saw, Kyler Kaepernick, looked, you know, he looked good. He looked good. Shout out to my man Star. You know what I mean? Because he called me. He was, he, he was at the, um, the event, okay? And uh, he actually got to, you know, you know, be there and see what was going on or whatever. We chopped it up for a few minutes when he was on his way there. And, um, you know, Kyler Kaepernick did his job. Now it's up to the NFL to do what they do. And you're not going to convince me, no stretch of nobody's imagination, that Colin Kaepernick is not one of the best 65 quarterbacks in the, you know, that's running around right now. 32 teams in the league. Each team has two quarterbacks. 32 times two is what? 64. Some teams have a third quarterback on deck. So you mean to tell me Colin Kaepernick can't get a job? What are we doing? What are we doing? And I'll leave it at that. 954 246 0398 is the mathematics, man. You got the mayor in the building. I'm on my I'm on my G tonight, man. I'm on my G tonight. I have my man call in Salik. I appreciate you, fam. Not me. And um don't again, don't don't be a stranger. 
What up, what up, Bob James? What's good? Down here, now they can hear me. Oh man, let me tell you. Oh, you know what we got to talk about here. You know, I mean, you know, with uh, with football here. All I got to say here, where this whole thing goes, is is there's 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 bad blood. There there's just bad blood between the Steelers <laughs> and the Browns. There's just bad blood there. I mean, you know, I mean, you right, know, it's right. just you know, you know, and I mean, it doesn't matter how far back it goes when you get into. The, when you get those two teams together, there's going to be something happening on the field all the time. You know, that's all I can really say mm-hmm. where that one goes. Mm-hmm. All I know is if the hitting comes from the Browns again, when they have to face each other again, because they do have one more game against each other, all I got to say is, is, is just stay focused. Stay focused, Browns, and uh, keep yourselves calm because. <laughs> You know, you do this, the exact same thing you did here, and there's more injuries. There's going to be a lot more talk. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. You know, I mean, we're talking off the air how this could be, be look more like Bounty Gate than Bounty Gate actually really was, which I, I personally think was a witch hunt on the Saints. But uh, you know, I got all I got to say is mm-hmm. all I all I got to say here is. Browns, be careful. Be careful at this point. You took what was supposed to be a crowning moment for you for this season and put you guys yeah, back yeah. on track, and you blew it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Steelers aren't right, doing right. that much right, either, right. but come Pretty on. Good. That's right. Come on. I That's, mean, right. That's right. That's right. That's right. We got, we got, I mean, you know, it was, uh, and again, go ahead, go ahead, Bob. Oh, no, I said, I said, we, I, I said, you're looking at two teams that could be missing the playoffs here. That's all I'm going to say. Right. And, and, you know, we could take, you know, sack Terry Bradshaw. And, and, and that was Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they have a history. The guy sacked Terry Bradshaw, turned him upside down, and slammed him on his head. So this was, you know, this is over 20 years ago. You know what I mean? So the Browns and the Steelers definitely have um, – a history of, you know, trying to do dirt to each other. So this is nothing new. But again, man, um, it just, you know, it just went to another level. And then they have to see each other um, real soon coming up here. So again, um, you know, the security's going to be crazy for that game. Everybody's going to be in their P's and Q's. It is what it is, man. Let's just, you know, show people that, you know, you're better than this, man. You know what I mean? Um, this is After Further Review 2.0, a.k.a. the Sideline Pass. We are back in the building College football playoff rankings. They came out earlier this evening. We got um, the Georgia Bulldogs at number four. We got Clemson Tigers at number three. We have the Ohio State Buckeyes at number two. And the number one team in the nation right now is the um, LSU Tigers. Okay, Louisiana State is in the building. Um, after further review, we have our top four. And I'm going to give you the after further review to. Okay, number four, Utah. Yes, Utah. We're going to give the Pac-12 some love. Okay, we're going to give them a chance to make because you know I'm not really Georgia. Don't tell me nothing about Georgia. I don't want to hear about Georgia. Knock it off. So I'm not putting Georgia. Matter of fact, I got Georgia in the, in the, in our rankings. I got Georgia at number eight. So I don't really. I'm not really interested in what Georgia is talking about. Um, Clemson at number three. 
okay? Um, I think this is a redemption time for Clemson. Put them back in the playoff mix, man. Because, yeah, they had a close game earlier this season against North Carolina. If they would have lost that game in North Carolina, all hell would have broke loose. But that, that defense stood up, okay? And they punished Clemson for that. So now Clemson is, you know, Clemson's 11-0, okay? Clemson's back in the building. We have Clemson at number three. We got LSU at number two, all right? I, you know, I give Joe Burrow and them a lot of respect to whatever the case may be, but Alabama was doing their numbers against LSU, okay? Auburn was doing their numbers, okay? So I got LSU at number two. And number one is Ohio State. I think that Ohio State has done enough, you know, Big Ten notwithstanding, to, to, to hold the number one spot down, man. You know what I'm saying? So, again, um, Ohio State, number one, LSU, number two, Clemson, number three, and I got Utah at number four, all right? That's the top four college football playoff rankings for after further review 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass. Now, um, the rest of them, I got Alabama at number five, Oregon at number six, Oklahoma at number seven, Georgia at number eight, Penn State at number nine, Florida at number 10, Wisconsin and Michigan are the two teams on the outside looking in right now. Michigan is, is, is playing decent ball finally. The Michigan Wolverines are playing, you know, pretty decent football finally. The last, you know, couple of weeks they've been doing their numbers, and I'm not mad at them, you know, for what they've been doing so far. So, again, man, um, give, you know, give them their due. You know what I'm saying? We talked about Jim Harbaugh. We talked about Michigan not showing up. But, I mean, the, the last couple of weeks, Michigan has been, you know, playing surprisingly well. Um, they, you know, they're playing, you know, consistent. They're playing better. Um, again, season for Michigan, they beat Michigan State 44 to 10. Okay. Um, Shea Patterson, he's got seven touchdown passes and no interceptions in his last three games. All right. So we got to give Michigan a little bit of credit. I try to give him some credit anyway. Um, again, I got Utah at number four. You know, you could go ahead and call him Georgia Jr. if you want to, which is not really an insult, okay? Utah plays smothering defense. Zach Moss is a beast running the football. And there are few other teams in the nation. I'm going to say that again. There are few other teams in the nation playing as well as Utah right now, okay? They have five turnovers against UCLA. They went over 500 yards in total offense for the fourth time this season. So you got to give Utah some credit. Some credit over here. Okay. Um, Oklahoma. They had a comeback for the ages. Shout out to my man Slate. Because I know he was sitting there watching like, what the hell is going on here against Baylor? Okay. Um, Jalen Hurts became the first Oklahoma quarterback to throw four touchdowns. Rush for 100 yards and tur and turn the ball over three times, okay. Um, but I think he made up, you know, for his you know transgressions, okay. If I could say that, he brought his team back from down 28-3. Does that sound familiar, Atlanta Falcons fans? 28-3, they were down. And after, you know, the big win against Penn State, you know, 
um, they still have something that Oregon, Alabama, and Oklahoma don't have, a win over a top-10 team. I'm not mad at Minnesota, but this was like the bad part of the season to really lose because this is when everybody's paying attention to you, all right? Minnesota can still clinch the Big Ten West with a win over Wisconsin in the spot in the Big Ten title game. Um, we're going to talk about Clemson. Clemson did their thing, okay? Wake Forest is Wake Forest, all right? Um, but, again, Clemson is Clemson, and they're the defending national champs, so you've got to give them some kind of respect. They have more points in the last six games, 315, than 78 teams have all season. I repeat, Clemson has more points in the last six games, 315 points. That's more than 78 teams. They can't get no love. Clemson can't get no love. Shout out to Trevor Lawrence. They can't get no love. Shout out to Travis Etienne. Shout out to that Clemson defense. They're going to be in the college football playoffs. Trust and believe. I told you so. LSU. Uh, you know what? You know, I'm going to admit it. I wasn't really big on LSU. I wasn't really big on Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow looks like the coolest dude in the room. He just does what he does. He goes, sits on the sideline. He goes, gets on the telephone, talks to his coordinator upstairs. It's like, okay, what are we doing next? You know, um, again, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, you, you might be playing for, you know, Cincinnati because Cincinnati's going to burrow for burrow. <laughs> you heard that here first. I made that up. <laughs> Cincinnati's going to burrow for burrow. All right. So, again, at the end of the day, man, LSU, man, they still got some things to prove, even though they're still undefeated. They still got some things to do. They got to finish it off, man. They got to, you know, finish off the SEC and do what they need to do, man. Um, Ohio State. The only thing that's worse than giving up 37 to Ole Miss, okay, which is what LSU did, is give up 21 points to Rutgers. No disrespect to my Jersey people. But come on now. You know, Justin Fields, he threw four more touchdown passes, okay, helping them to set up that game, big game that they have coming up against Penn State. So, again, it's going to be big. Ohio State, I got them as the number one team in the nation, and we'll see what happens. Um, real quick, man, I'm going to talk about Tua Tagliavoa, man. Um, wow. I, I don't want to say or cast any aspersions on Nick Saban, but Karma is a ugly girl. And she's on every corner, every place you can find, and she's there. Karma is ugly. Remember how they played Jalen Hurts out? Jalen Hurts was, and it wasn't that Jalen Hurts was playing terrible. He was just having off nights. There's nothing wrong with that. They threw Tua in the mix like Tua's going to be the savior. Last year, championship, who gets hurt? Tua. Who comes in to save the day? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts said, you know what? It's, been, it's cool, but it's been real. I got to get out of here. He didn't disparage Oklahoma, uh, Alabama. He didn't say anything bad about Alabama. He just went about his business. And now, fast forward, 2019, two attack is done for the year. Up 35 to 7. Why you still got this kid in the game, Nick Saban? I don't want to hear nothing about the two-minute offense and the two kicks to knock it off. I don't want to hear that. You're up 35 to 7. 
Let's also look at it this way too. This was a guy who just came off of a, a procedure on his on his leg alone, and and you know and mm-hmm. it, you know I was mm-hmm. limping off the field the week before, and I saw him limping, and I said, right. "Oh my god!" And he just had surgery. I said, "This guy's going to get injured again. He's going to get injured right. again." And That's I didn't exactly expect that. it to be his hip. I, it would have been better off being his leg than his hip. I mean, you know, I would better off mm-hmm. if he didn't, you know, because he's still going to go in the draft. If if he does not decide he needs to have a senior year just to prove himself again, yeah, man, that's that's a hard one to call, Wacko. Uh, excuse excuse me, Bob James. I'm sorry. That that that's a that's a that's a hard, hard one to call. It is on the team. You know what I mean? And then you got the kid Jones. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard one to call. We'll see how that how, how that pans out, man. But I hope and I wish that um you know Tua you know. Didn't really get hurt, but who do who do you blame on that? Because you know we this is we play the blame game. Do we play? Do we blame Nick Saban for keeping him in when you're up thirty five to seven when you really don't have to? This is a we... Tua should have probably told Nick he's in trouble and better, better not play. And that's right. That's right. What, what did he have to lose? He had nothing to lose. You know what I mean? And Alabama had everything to lose the rest of the season. The, the SEC championship, the college football playoffs, why not sit that kid, man? What do you have to lose? Nothing. And they come up with all these wild excuses about, well, we were running, we were getting ready to take him out, and we were running a two-minute offense. And pick, knock it off, man. But I'm, I'm going to get off of that, man, because it is what it is, man. I just hope that, you know, Tua comes back and, and does what he does, and he could be effective, and he could continue and have a, a great career, man, going forward. All right? This is after further review 2.0, a.k.a. The sideline pass. We are in the building every Tuesday night, man. 9 p.m. East. Why do I keep saying 9 p.m.? Because I'm thinking about um, No Knockoffs Radio. Shout out to my No Knockoffs Radio crew. Um, we're on every Tuesday night, sometimes Wednesday, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Shout out to my man, D's, about that sports life. They're going to come on the show next week. I got you, Playboy. I got you. I got you. I got you. So my man, D's, and them is going to be on the show next week, man. So. Again, um, yeah, we chop it up over here, man. And, and, I, and I know some real heavy hitters out here, man. So, again, um, the number is right there, 954-246-0398. I see how y'all talk. You know what I mean? All on social media, you give your sports knowledge or, or lack thereof. You know what I'm saying? So here's your chance to come and get it cracking. Shout out to my man, Salik. You know what I mean? Checking in from Jersey and all that. He came through for a few minutes. Don't be a stranger, fam. You know what I mean? Shout out to your family, man. I hope everybody's doing good and all that, man. Respect. And um, that's how we give it up, man. We just have some fun over here, man. But again, uh, bring your A-game to the table. Please bring your A-game to the table because if you don't, it's, it's, it's not going to be a good look for you. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, and I'm not trying to be funny. It just is what it is. You know what I mean? Because I don't have to be polite to you. If you don't know what you're talking about, we could talk about it. You know what I'm saying? But again, at the end of the day, man, some people have good conversations. That conversation flows. Me and Salik could talk sports for hours. You know what I mean? I could talk sports with these from about that sports life for hours. We could just sit back. Shout out to my man Devin of War Room Sports. We could talk for hours about sports. Shout out to, uh, to Michelle McKinney, Basketball Fan Club. We could talk basketball for hours. You know what I mean? And, and it wouldn't be a thing. But when you have these conversations with people who try to, you know, re- regurgitate what they heard on, on Sports Center or some of these other shows and programs, it's, it gets redundant. 
and then they want to sound like they, you know, like they know what they're talking. So when they, when you break when you break details down, now they start stuttering. They start stuttering like a Joe record. So I, 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 I really don't have. Well, we got a game over here. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just really getting under. You already know what it is, man. Um, you know. Uh, Duke is doing their numbers. Michigan State doing their numbers, even though they're not, you know, um, the, the the number one team anymore. It's Kentucky right now, and I don't know how you have Kentucky when they lost to Evansville. That was ugly, you know. But again, it is what it is, man. College basketball is just getting just getting underway and getting started. My Syracuse Orange men doing what they do. Yep, that's my team, Syracuse. So do not get it twisted. Um, the situation with James Wiseman in Memphis. It's crazy. And, again, I'm not really going to say too much of that, too much upon that, because we know that the NCAA is trying to, you know, um, you know, uh, play both ends against the middle. You know, they, they lost this situation where um, now, you know, kids are going to get, you know, um, uh, reimbursed for their likeness, their photos, and their names, which is a great and should have been going on. And then the NCAA turns right around and says, you know what, James Wiseman, you're, un- you're ineligible. Right, the kid in Ohio State plays football. And that was <laughs> that's that's what it looks like. Oh, all right. So yeah, that's that's what it is, man. So um, I got you, Dees. I got you, my guy. Um. Now we're in the part of the show, man, where um, we're going to go back a little bit. We, um, you know, we're closing in on the end of, the, of, a, of a really, really crazy decade. You know, started out 2010. Now we're 2019. Get ready to be 2020. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to go over the, you know, top 10, you know, Super Bowls. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to do the top 10 Final Four, top 10 World Series. You know, and if you got something that you want to suggest, hit me on Twitter at RMDesk. Hit me on the Facebook page after further review. We got a Facebook page and all that. So make sure you come through. And um, let's get it popping. We got a few minutes left. Um, number 10, 2014, Super Bowl 47, Seattle Seahawks over the Denver Broncos. Remember that 2013 season, you know, MVP Peyton Manning. You know, they, you know, the Denver Broncos was, on, it was definitely the favorite. This was the Super Bowl that was played at MetLife Stadium. From the opening snap, okay, they snapped the ball over Peyton Manning's head and then went downhill from there, okay? Um, the Super Bowl was really crazy. Um, they had uh, the MVP of that game was Malcolm on offense, they scored on defense, and they scored on special teams. So that's number 10. Um, the Super Bowl between the, the Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. Okay. So that, that's, that's what it is right there as we get it popping, talking about the top Super Bowls of the 2010. Super Bowl number nine. Uh, number nine Super Bowl of the 2010. Uh, Super Bowl 53. 
the New England Patriots over the Los Angeles Rams. Okay? Um, this was a defensive slugfest. You know, um, the punters got busy in this game. Uh, a late touchdown. You know, Brady did his numbers. Um, the Rams came in with, you know, with the offense, you know, offensive-minded and things of that nature. This game was really a dud. Okay, the four quarters of this game is defined by, you know, offensive ineptitude. Okay, Jared Goff, he wasn't ready. Okay, um, the, the most impressive plays of this game were on special teams. Okay, Johnny Hecker, he broke the Super Bowl record for the longest punt in Super Bowl history, if you're into that type of stuff. All right? Um, defensive player of the year, he was silent. Todd Gurley was hurt. Even Tom Brady had a quiet game, you know? Even though he had Keith Rose, the, you know, MVP Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski, you know, New England Patriots did it again. They won the Super Bowl. And that's uh, number nine, okay? Um, number eight, and this, one is one of, and this one is one of my favorites. Denver Broncos, 24-10 over the Carolina Panthers. This was the Super Bowl when Cam Newton, he was supposed to be Superman that season. Super Superman ran away from a fumble and then had the nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated goal to have his mouth poked out and, 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 you know, doing his thing and he was sulking on the sideline and doing all this. That's not how Superman acts. Don't get it twisted. I mean, Denver's pass rush, DeMarcus Ware, MVP of the Super Bowl, Von Miller. They was putting the beats on Cam Newton from the start of the game. Okay, but again, remember, Carolina has scored 49 points in the NFC Championship game. So, again, you know, but the thing that stands out to me for this game is when Cam Newton ran away from a fumble. And I said it, and Wacko Bob, excuse me, I keep saying Wacko Bob, Bob James, I told you that when we came on the air after, when I did the show, I said it was a business decision. And then Cam Newton came and said it was a business decision for him not to, you know, land on the fumble. So I think, you know what, from that point on, that's when Cam Newton was going through his troubles. Yes, he was getting hit hard. Yes, he was, yes, yes. Yes, I agree with all of that. But that's still news. It's no excuse. Okay, so again, that, that was, you know, one of my favorite Super Bowls because Cam Newton played like garbage after talking all that nonsense. All right? So um, that's that one. Number seven, the New Orleans Saints over the Indianapolis Colts, okay? That was um, Super Bowl, what was it, 40-44, Colts and the Saints. The Saints 31, the, uh, the Saints 31, the Colts 17. Um, again, Drew Brees doing that thing, going up against league MVP Peyton Manning, all right? Uh, but this game is remembered for what happened after halftime. If you remember the opening, the, the kick, that, uh, the, to set up the second half, the Saints did an onside kick. If you remember, both quarterbacks performed well statistically. It wasn't really the offensive explosion that many people expected. I number Tracy Porter ran a pick six back. Um, just as, this is you know Indianapolis was ready to tie the game, you know. But um, again, man, that, that Super Bowl was exciting for the Saints because you know their defense stepped up and did its numbers. Okay. Um, the next Super Bowl that we're going to talk about, we're talking about the top 10 Super Bowls of the 2010s, okay? Um, Super Bowl 45, 
Green Bay Packers, 31. Pittsburgh Steelers, 25. This Super Bowl had a lot of pregame hype. You know, two of the, two of the, the uh, anchor franchises in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Packers were led by third-year quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Okay? The Pittsburgh Steelers doing what they do. Um, you know, Green Bay did their, did their numbers. They were leading 21-3, to and the Steelers had a touchdown. They got a touchdown just before halftime. Okay? Um, this was the Super Bowl with the Black Eyed Peas. Remember, you couldn't hear but you know, they couldn't hear that performance. Be thankful for little things. All right. Um, even though Pittsburgh, you know, they came back, you know, to, to make the deficit three points late in the game. Uh, Mason Crosby hit a field goal to put Green Bay back up six. While, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger didn't, you know, uh, uh, he failed to finish this team's, you know, final drive. So Aaron Rodgers comes back on the field, runs out the clock, and gives Green Bay uh, a Super Bowl title. And he... MVP. So that, that was one of the, the Super Bowls that a lot of people probably don't remember unless you're a Green Bay Packer fan. You know what I mean? Um, but I remember that because the Black Eyed Peas, you know, they're not my favorite group in the world. But, but uh, it just goes to show that uh, everything ain't for everybody. They was up there singing their little hearts out and nobody heard a word. All right. Um, number five, we got Super Bowl 47. Another Super Bowl that was, you know, will be, will be remembered for more than what happened on the field. The uh, San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. This was in the Superdome. This was one um, when the lights went out. Remember that one, okay? Um, this was also a Super Bowl where um, the first time where um, a game was coached by two brothers, John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh, okay? This was also a Super Bowl with the final uh, game for Ray Lewis. And I think that was the impetus for the Baltimore Ravens winning the Super Bowl. He had announced his retirement early in the season. The Ravens weren't really the best team in the league, but they turned it around, and I think they had something to play for. Okay, remember the blackout. It was 34 minutes long. Okay, um, Baltimore was doing their numbers. Okay, um, and the lights came back on. The 49ers did their thing. Colin Kaepernick, okay, he helped bring the 49ers back. That comeback fell just short. Remember when Colin Kaepernick threw the, cor- threw the pass in the corner of the end zone and just missed it, okay? And that's what gave the Baltimore Ravens a Super Bowl title, and Joe Flacco got the MVP in that game. All right? I hope you rock it with me having some fun, man, because it's bringing back, you know, little memories and things of that nature, man. We, we live in and, and, we're re- and we're talking about the top 10 Super Bowls from the 2010s, all right? Um, this one. I'm going to get some love from the Giants fans on this one. All right, this is Super Bowl 46. This is the Giants over the Patriots. Remember, they had beat the Patriots four years earlier, okay, when the Patriots are 18-0. and 0. All right, the Giants came back and did it again, all right? Um, the Patriots, they weren't really that strong. I mean, they were 13-3, and three, you know what I'm saying? But they were playing against a Giants team that was 9-7, and seven, all right? But Eli Manning. You know, if he gets into the Hall of Fame, it'll be on the strength of these two Super Bowl wins alone. All right? The first one, you know, the, 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 the pass to David Tyree. All right? And then in this, you could try that. You could try those passes 100 times, and you will not hit it once. And that's all you need to do is hit it once, and, and Eli did it. Okay? Um, the fourth quarter pass to Manningham, setting up the Giants to score the go-ahead touchdown. Um, Courtesy of Ahmad Bradshaw in the final minute. 
you know. So again, I think that you know, um, they, the Patriots still had time left. They still had time to do it, but Tom Brady couldn't couldn't make it happen. The Giants got away with the second Super Bowl title for um, Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning and the New York Giants. All right, we rock it out here. Super, um, we're getting down to the good ones now, right? Um, Super Bowl Fifty Two. The Philadelphia Eagles, 41. The New England Patriots, 33. I mean, what, what can you do? I mean, the, the, the Eagles come into this game with a backup quarterback. You know, we've seen this movie before, you know, coming into, you know, going into a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. The Eagles had to, you know, rock with Nick Foles, and they did what they did. And this seemed like the Eagles, they, you know, they responded to Nick Foles. You know what I'm saying? And it was, it was a decent game. You know, Tom Brady threw for over 500 yards, um, you know, at 40 years old. But that matters a damn. He threw for over 500 yards in the Super Bowl. And, again, they came with the, with, with the trickery, the trickeration, the Philly special. You know, and Nick Foles caught a touchdown pass. You know, and, and again, it's iconic. And, again, it just, you know, if you ask any Philadelphia Eagle fan, they love, they'll talk you to death about that. You know, even though there was no defense played in the game, but again, this is one of you know one of the great Super Bowls of the 2010 uh, decade, man. As we get ready to close it out here, okay. Um, coming up next, man. Um, notice the Patriots in a lot of these Super Bowls. Okay, I'm not mad at them. You know, it just is what it is. Um, Super Bowl 51, the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. Patriots 34, Falcons 28. Man, listen, you could just sum this game up as. Two lopsided blowouts in one game. The Falcons were doing their numbers in the first half. They led 28-3. to three, And then all of a sudden, the Patriots came back. Now, let me tell you something about this game real quick. Um, I know we got a few minutes left, but remember in that game, the Falcons were running all over New England. The first play of the second half, the, Patri- the, the Falcons had the ball deep in their territory. They tried to run and play. And the Patriots shut it down. As soon as they did that, I was like, yo, the Patriots are going to do some numbers. Some incredible catches by Julia Edelman. And it just led to, you know, uh, another uh, Super Bowl win for the Patriots. And I think it was like one of the most impressive victories in Super Bowl history, man. And Atlanta Falcons, man, you know, shout out to Jermaine Dupree. He had the whole so-so death, you know, family on the sideline getting ready to celebrate. They was going to tear Atlanta down. But uh, it didn't happen. And uh, so be it. Happy life, man. And Atlanta, the Falcons haven't been the same ever since, if you ask me. All right? The number one Super Bowl. Super Bowl 49. The New England Patriots, 28. Seattle Seahawks, 24. This Super Bowl, I talked about it a little bit earlier with my man, Salik. Tom Brady and the Patriots taking on the Legion of Boom, the secondary. You know, Sherman and... And, and Cam Chancellor and those guys, it came, you know, this game was 14 to 14 at halftime, okay? You know, Katy Perry did her thing at the halftime show all that. Um, the Patriots were down 10 points. Um, again, they did their numbers. And the Seahawks, they were on the Patriots' one-yard line with two minutes left in the game. Seattle chose, and their wisdom, to throw the ball instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch because they didn't want Marshawn Lynch to be the MVP of the Super Bowl. That would have been crazy. So, again, that is what it is. Let us know what your top ten Super Bowls are. 
And um, get at me on Twitter at RMDeaths after further review on Facebook. Real quick, the three-minute rant. Um, I want to talk about real quick in the three-minute rant a little bit about um, if you didn't see the Monmouth player against Kansas, he stole the ball and he, he dunked on Kansas, you know, even though they were down by more than 40 points. So what? You play the game until the game is done. I'm not mad at him. You know, fundamentally, that's not what you're supposed to do. They were actually trailing by 55 points. And so what? You know what I mean? And again, that's what you do. I'm not mad at him. So why is, you know, it's an unwritten rule if the game is decided, you know, you know, you know, garbage time dunks are generally found upon, but it is what it is, man. You want to get your name in the paper. You want to get on, you know, you want to be famous. Now they ain't made you famous. You know what I mean? Um, you got to applaud them for playing to the whistle, you know, um, again, but you know, it, I'm not going to say it was a bad look. I'm not going to say it was a bad look. Because again, at the end of the day, you play until the game is over. What do you want these kids to do? So, again, at the end of the day, man, uh, it just is what it is, man. And, and, and again, you, you want to get it how you live. You know, say that's uncalled for. You can say that, you know. But it's not like you were winning by 55 points and you dunked on him. You are losing by 55 points. So, what do you want? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't get it. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So, again, man, shout out to them and shout out to you, man. But uh, check it out after further review 2.0, a.k.a. in the sideline pass. Shout out to my man Salik for checking in. Shout out to my man Bob James for holding me down. Actively, our network is the spot. Um, Spreaker holds us down. And we got y'all, man, every Tuesday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. After further review 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass. This is the mayor, man, and I'm out. I'll talk to y'all next week, man. Peace.